Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network, and today it's me and Neil. Neil, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I am doing outstanding, Trav. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's been a great week, and and just glad to be back on the podcast today. Well, uh, you may think we've kicked some of our other hosts off. We haven't. One host is in the midst of having a baby. Another host is in the midst of a, a career transition. Another host is just busy, uh, two of them just busy, and so we haven't kicked them off, have we, Neil? There's just been nope. circumstances that have, have led to that they'll be back no, I, on soon so well when you say it like that it makes me feel like i'm like those the, the news anchors on the weekends you know i'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the summer guy that's not quite yeah. good enough we're yes. we're glad you're back with the summer anchor, the weekend so, so anchor. thanks for that thanks for that you're welcome so yes. all right uh we were just listening to an old song from the 90s by the beastie boys sabotage and that's what we're going to talk about, Neil, right? Hey, that, that, that's where we're going today. All right. Specifically, we're going to talk about pastors who self-sabotage. Now, I think there's two categories of, self, of self-sabotage for a pastor, Neil. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. And, and, and interestingly enough, I, I think I thought of the one when you brought up this topic for the other. So, so yeah, we, we really, yeah, it, it hits people in different ways when we talk about it in terms of pastoral ministry. So let's just, let's just break it down into two different types. First type is what we're going to call intentional self-sabotage. Hmm. And then we're going to spend a few minutes on the backside here talking about unintentional sabotage. Now it may sound odd for some of our listeners, because I know we have some lay listeners who listen to our podcast because they tell me and let's just let's just kind of start with um what are some things that we see in purposeful self-sabotage like intentional self-sabotage where the pastor knowingly sort of wrecks the ship now what what is what is the mindset and what's going on there because that's that's almost unthinkable i think in some people's minds yeah so when we were talking about this earlier and, and and as we were kind of getting on the same page for, for our episode this afternoon I think one of the things that immediately jumped out at me was was a story I had heard um, from my days in seminary where where it was a reason given often by pastors who are caught in sexual sins whether that be pornography or adultery that oftentimes the pastor will make the statement that they they did it because they found they were in a situation they didn't know how else to get out of in, in terms of pastoral calling and ministry. So it's almost like they, they're going to force an end of their career, which, which again, to your point, sounds odd, but, but apparently at least is something we've heard of. And, and the professor I had at that moment spoke to, and, and we saw in, in one of the articles you and I were looking at that, yeah, it, it happens. Sometimes it's hard to sort of leave ministry. Like if you're truly done and you don't want to do any more ministry, even if you like walk away and resign and try to leave things on the up and up, people will still call you about pastoral related problems. They'll call you for funerals. They'll call you for weddings. They'll call you for a lot of different things. And so if you truly want out of all of it, best thing to do is to steer the ship, at least as some pastors have thought in the past, uh, 
steer the ship head towards a rock collision of some kind and just you know sexual immorality seems to be a favored in this particular type of of sabotage right yes i mean certainly certainly one that that we've seen and 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 is is prevalent uh, amongst pastors so so yeah and it's available in the internet and whatnot yeah um one one well thought of uh, theologian and writer i think he's up in canada he he was reflecting on this and um hitting the self-destruct button for pastors talks about a time when i he said when i first started out here in ministry i met a pastor who had just had to resign over an affair and he said he was 20 years my senior and we met for lunch i asked him why he had an affair he told me in part it was because he couldn't handle the pressure of ministry anymore, but couldn't find an easy way out. The affair forced him out. Years later, I would discover the pain of burnout personally. I was so burnt out and escape from my life looked appealing, but the grace of God, by the grace of God, I knew enough to keep my head in the game, even though my heart had stopped working. As a result, during my darkest month, I kept saying to myself, whatever you do, don't do anything rash. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't quit your job and don't buy a sports car. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about the last one because I wouldn't buy a sports car anyway. I would buy like a brand new Jeep Wrangler or a Bronco or something mm-hmm. along that lines. But anyhow, you know, red car, blue car yeah. thing. So, oh, yeah. um, but you can, you can hear the pain and an explanation like that. Even that pastor who had an affair, you know, I mean, he was completely done, man. I mean, he steered his ship into the rocks because he didn't want anything to do with ministry ever again. And some people may think that is, that's hard to believe that a pastor gets there, but let me see if I can sort of describe this in my own personal life, because this fall is going to be 20 years uh, since I've been in ministry and there are pressures on the outside of you, you know, you go to a business meeting or whatever, or a committee meeting or a deacon's meeting and it's rough, you know, people's opinions come out and let's be honest, Neil, most of the time you're constantly in conflict of ministry because you're dealing with people and it's messy and we're not usually fighting about doctrine, are we? I mean, no, we're fighting about personality preferences, you know, personalities are colliding or personal preferences on different things like music or color of carpet or whatever it is, um, or how conflict should even be done. That's another thing. Sometimes we fight about how to fight. We don't ever really have these huge theological battles. It's always these other things and and it just kind of wears you down. And as you leave those kind of meetings, you know, you can go home and the external pressure is gone for the moment. But man, there's an internal pressure that starts to build. Would you say that's fair, Neil? I, I think that's extremely fair, and and again, a, a, a common experience that, that that we can easily identify with. And so you start to you know fight this internal battle of man, you know, am I a decent pastor? Am I as bad as they say? Am I whatever? And because every pastor will have its critic. I mean, that's just as sure as if you're being faithful anyway, you're going to have a critic. So, um, and, you know, if you're not careful, that kind of dark night of the soul, which doesn't seem to end for some time, uh, it will consume you and you will get to a point like these, this one pastor and just steer your ship into the rocks. So let's talk about, go ahead. And let me ask you this. I, I mean, before we go a lot further, is, 
is this just a way you think that that maybe we deceive ourselves about the intentions of our heart? So, so is is there some pastoral deception, heart heart level deception going on if we think this way? What do you think? Can you rephrase the question? I'm sorry, I'm not following. Well, well, so is is, is we we did it to sabotage ourselves, what we tell ourselves, when really behind it is some other other type of sin. So is 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 I did this to sabotage myself an excuse that we make maybe to cover over another type of sin. What do you think? Oh yeah, I think that's true. I mean, you know, if you get to a point and every pastor faces burnout, but if you get to a point where personal worship and personal, personal cherishing of Christ is compromised, I don't think you survive these hard conflicts and these, these mm-hmm. tough critics and things like that. I just don't think it happens because you're not equipped internally to handle it. I had a lunch with a pastor this week who's been in his church for 30 years. And he talked about, how, you know, how it took 30 years of, of steady, faithful gospel ministry to be reaping a reward. And and so many of us want that kind of a, you know, no pressure, everything taken off. You know, the idol is, you know, we want it now, you know what I mean? But some of the things we want now may not be possible until 30 years into your ministry at a church. And that's just so hard to fathom for me at times, you know what I mean? I, I'm becoming one of the longer tenured pastors in my, my side of town. Uh, but, uh, you know, 30 years sounds like a long time, you know? So, yes. Anyhow, but yeah, I would agree with that. So, all right, well, let's, uh, let's sort of look at the patterns here, some things to avoid to help us from moving into self-sabotage intentionally here. One of the things is uh, avoid isolation. Remember what I said about those, yeah the those internal battles if you are the the person that you talk to the most is you mm-hmm. yes so, as you're having if you're the only one having a conversation with you and you are down guess what you are telling yourself all the time so, you're down yeah uh you've got to get outside that pattern you need you need community you need gospel center community you need to be able to be christian and human in front of others in a safe yes. place right uh yes. second, Second thing, uh, anything you want to add to that one about avoiding isolation, Neil? Yeah, I, I think, and, and, and maybe we're going to get into this somewhere down the road in our conversation, but I, I, I think so often of, of the fact that, that as Paul David Tripp talked about in Dangerous Calling, we just don't create space for us in ministry to be believers. And so one form of isolation is we, we just don't have, um, we, we, we just don't have space for us to be honest about our sins and struggles, or even to your point, to process our burnout and frustration. And, and isolation creates a space where, where if we're not killing our sin, our sin in one form or another is going to slowly be killing us, right? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think, you know, beware of signs of burnout. We may talk about yeah. that some in the next part, but uh, anyhow, because I think burnout can definitely cause, you know, un, un, unintentional sabotage. Uh, yes. We're also going to need to be watching out for patterns, um, self-sabotage. It begins to know as the moment the article says in which temptations strike hardest and keep track of when particular struggles rear its ugly head in every spiritual success. Every instance of high praise is met with a plunge in the depths of darkness. You know, we often see this, that there's not usually glory till there's suffering first. And whenever you're plunged into that darkness, um, are you seeing certain patterns in those moments? Oh yeah. And that, that, I think, I think 
it's such a great word to just be careful about, to, to be mindful of your own heart. And what's interesting about that is, is I don't know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but, but temptation can often strike even in your best moments where maybe, maybe you've let your guard down. Maybe you're just deceiving yourself and you think you've somehow arrived. And the next thing you know, you're confronted by, by a serious situation in your own heart or, or in your life. And, and, and I don't know if you can speak to that as well, but, but yeah, I, I think being mindful of those patterns is, is a really great point. Sometimes you may need to talk to somebody to see them. Sometimes you can't yeah. always see your patterns as easy as you can see others. So, um, and then last one is grieve your losses. And I, and to be honest, I don't think we talk about this enough as pastors. You know, uh, this is sort of something that's kind of, we're meant to be strong, be leaders, whatever, be strong spiritually, be strong emotionally. And uh, there, there's something to be said, though, about grieving losses. Um, yes. We need to, in some ways, we need to learn to grieve. Um, pastors everywhere, regardless of their ministry context, size, or even denomination, is going to experience personal loss. And as a pastor, that's going to be death. Some of your members are going to die. Betrayal. Some of your, some of your people are going to betray you. I mean, if it happened to Jesus, why do you think you're so special? You're not going to have to deal with some betrayal at some level. Um, anger towards folks and people being angry at you. Uh, people are going to criticize your ministry. Um, they're, they're going to try to get you fired. They're going to consume your time with petty things that you don't think matter uh, or, you know, things that you address in a sermon. You know, I just talked to a pastor this week and he said he closed out the sermon and you could just tell as people were leaving, they were over in the corner chatting and they looked at him, how they looked at him and the feel in the room that he knew something was up. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's learning to kind of deal with and because a lot of times once, once there's been big kind of emotional outbursts in business meetings or member meetings or whatever you got, sometimes it's hard to, you know, once, once the plates busted on the floor, sometimes they don't go back together, you know, or at least go back together the same way. Does that make sense? No, I, I, I hear you. I, I think, I think it can be very hard. And, and I think, again, that that's when we have to be so careful about um, the, the, the soundtrack we're allowing to play in our hearts. And, and so, so I think it, it, it's easy in the worst moments to, to get a false understanding of how those in your ministry see you um, and to allow those, those darker, harder voices to, to play really loudly in your head. And so I, yeah, I, I think we definitely have to be worried in those moments and worry is not the right word, mindful in those moments of, of what's going on. Cause man, we, we, we do have a, a ministry that is going to bring us up close and personal with our own grief, as well as the grief our, our brothers and sisters are going through. And so, so yeah, that, that's, that is giving ourselves space to grieve and to be sorry. And, and let me throw another one at you. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm 41 now. And I, I would have said about two to three years ago that I can, for the first time, understand how someone can kind of look at their life and, and, and enter into a midlife crisis. Yeah. You know, do you think there's, there's a grief sometimes for us as pastors that, that maybe um, what we're doing, the ministry we're doing is not what we maybe imagined it would be when we were 20 somethings in seminary. And do you, do you think there oh, can be a little bit of, you know, midlife crisis? I think 100%. Uh, I think there's no question. You know, um, I, I think, um, you know, when I think about even my own life, I, 
don't know that I'm where I imagined myself when I first was in seminary, where I would be by the time I'm 40. And uh, as you get older, your opportunities narrow, right? Like when you're young, that's what everybody loves about graduation time. It's endless possibilities. And then as you age, possibilities start cutting off. You know what I mean? Which, which ones you can do or really are feasible. And as the responsibilities begin to weigh on you, also your resp- uh, your your possibilities and avenues begin to cut off as well. So. And I think that that's sort of a dangerous game to play, though, whenever you have these conversations with yourself, because, you know, I, I've i been reading a book that I found very helpful called Essential Tools for a Small Church. And, uh, you know, I'm in some ways, the, a lot of the areas and disciplines I've been trained in, in the church growth movement, there's some concepts that I have always questioned and I've particularly questioned lately. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's not anything wrong with being the pastor of a big church or being a part of a big church, but there isn't necessarily anything right about it either. Like you're not going to find passages in scripture that say, Oh, you know, your church should be this size or that size and lamenting that you're not going to reach that, or you don't think you're going to reach that. The reality is God has called more men to pastor small churches than he has to pastor large churches. That's a very small percentage to be honest. So yeah. And it's a little bit like Popeye said, you know, we have to, we have to understand who we are in Christ and a little bit also be able to say, you know, we are who we are. P- Piper never did call to say, Neil, would you be willing to come in and replace me? And, and, <laughs> and so, so, so the dreams we had may not have been realized and yet um, God and his gracious goodness is, is better to us than we deserve. So, so I think that sometimes that, that, that grieving, maybe um, some of our dreams uh, that, that didn't work out. Is, is an important thing. And, and maybe pastors don't go by the sports car, but maybe, maybe pastors are just as tempted to respond to their, their grief and their inability to process that with, with, with a decision that harms their ministry and themselves. Well, I mean, you saw this kind of up close and personal, even in your own home church. I mean, you saw yes. um, a, a pretty difficult situation unfold and, and I don't think that brother ever went back to the pulpit, did he? After, no. after a, no a season of sabotage there, really self-sabotage, you know? So Yes. Yeah, no, he, and, and he continued in, in, in his case to kind of walk a line that, that really left you wrestling with, with where his heart was at and, and his passion for Jesus. Cause there was, there, there were great struggles there in his life. I think we've referenced that in other episodes previously, but, uh, but we want to talk about now we're going to shift gears to what is perhaps a little bit more dangerous because, you know, we've been talking here about, people who pastors who they're just fed up and they're just ready to steer the ship and just blow the thing up. They're just ready to hit the self-destruct button on the, on the uh, death star and just blow the whole thing up out of the sky. So let's now talk about though, what is more dangerous and that is in unintentional self-sabotage. So mm-hmm. here we have pastors dealing with the same kind of pressures that we've mentioned in the first part of the podcast. They're dealing with the fights, the, the grief, the pain, the pain and the grief of, of visions and ministries never to be realized and probably never to be done. Now, what are we looking for? What are some things that we've got to be careful of? Do you have any resources you would recommend in this area? Well, well as I mentioned earlier, Tripp's book, Dangerous Calling, is so helpful because, because again, I think it addresses possibly the, the biggest problem that we as, as men in ministry can have is that in the doing of ministry, 
we do not leave space for us to continue to, to foster a personal relationship with Jesus. And of course, we're probably all familiar with the conversations that have to do with making sure you're doing your, your quiet time and not just reading the Bible for the sake of preparation. But I think it goes deeper than that. I, again, I, I think it goes to recognizing our, our sinful hearts, our sinful tendencies, and, and then creating a space where we can repent of them. And also, you know, how many of us build up walls within our own church? And, and to some extent, we do not offer ourselves the kind of relational access to our church family that we tell everybody else they should have. So, so you know, we're the pastor. We can't go to our brothers and sisters and, and confess. We're the pastor, so we can't have a bad day. And, and man, what, what a dangerous way to be a part of any church family, especially when that, that's being done from the top, right? Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I think that we're going to sabotage ourselves when we're not aware of burnout because the reality of it is, is that perhaps as much or more than other disciplines and other careers, ministry and pastor burnout, I think, is what kind of leads to a lot of this self-sabotaging. You know, uh, Let me give you a few indicators of what I think are signs of burnout for a pastor. Uh the the uh, pastor begins to feel as if he is just trying to survive the day instead of actually, you know, thrive in the day and be excited about ministry. Um, the general attitude of the pastor is becomes, I don't know if the word is complacent is quite right, but at least um, perhaps distracted is a better term. You know what I mean? It distracted in the mind with different things. Uh, I think that, um, you know, the drudgery of day-to-day -day ministry and having to deal with that, that it, it has this impact on the mind, the heart, the body. And, uh, you know, I, I've had it before to where burnout actually physically makes my joints ache. Like I get tired and like my joints ache, like kind of like almost like a flu-like symptom. And uh, some pastor, you know, if you're not Sabbathing well, uh, that's a, that's going to be, I think, a surefire way to unintentionally, you know, sabotage yourself. Because I'm a big proponent of you need to take a day and do nothing church-related as a pastor and try your best not to do anything church-related because you got to, you got to, the world's got to be bigger than, than just the church you serve in, right? Because if it's not bigger... I think we know what happens. We've seen these patterns before, right? Um, yeah. It it just it it implodes, and it's your whole world. So, uh, what do you think about that, Neil? No, I I, I think that's a, a great tip, and 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 figuring out how to rest is is something that that I can use a lot of work on. I I think my tendency in in rest is not to rest well, to to know what both rejuvenates but also sharpens you, kind of kind of speaks to the dull edges that day in day out ministry can create so so i think figuring out a pattern of rest that roots you in the lord that that cultivates your 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 mind your body and and speaks to like you're saying life outside the church is so significant so i i think that's really well said and a great a great way to to be careful and, and avoid burnout i think you've also as a pastor got to take times with take time with your wife and make sure she knows she's still number one because um, you may not intentionally be sabotaging yourself. I remember we went to a, a, um, 
conference and it was an invitation only conference with uh, other pastors in the, in the Kentucky area. And one wife talked about how she had to make an appointment with her husband to have a conversation because he was so booked up with things in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is not fair to our wives. That's not fair to our families. You know, if we fail on that front, uh, we've failed our position as pastors anyway. And so I think being intentional about family time is also a critical thing as well, uh, because here's the reality of it. You'll pastor the church you're pastoring for a time, but you will be your kid's father for the rest of their lives and the rest of your life. And you will be, hopefully you will be your spouse's spouse for the rest of your life. But the church that you're currently serving, you may not serve in that role and capacity for the rest of your life. It is highly probable that you won't. Right. So watching that area as well. Uh, Neil, you got any others? But do you do you think I was just going to ask you on that one? Do you do you think our wives are helpful in terms of being able to you know to to speak into our our mindset and, and where our hearts are at? Do you do you think it's wise to be mindful? And, and maybe I'm asking an obvious question, but but isn't it important that I guess I should say that we give our wives space to speak honestly into what they're seeing working yeah. out of our hearts? I think so. You know, the person that probably does that the best was I would see uh, John Piper would take his wife, I think, out once a year and just say, how are we doing? You know, how do you think I'm doing? How do you think everything's going? And just sort of have this like annual check he would do with his wife. And I I think that they're the person that is closest to us. And can you hide sin from your spouse? I mean, sure, you could hide sin from any person, but uh, it's going to be harder to hide it from the person that you're sleeping in the same bed with every night. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to have an extra level of difficulty. And uh, unless you know, there's also a psychological toll with hiding things that it's hard to deal with over time as well. So, yeah, I think that our wives are, you know, beyond valuable. I think that's why many churches, you know, struggle to hire young single pastors is because, they prefer to have that extra person. I think it's a level of accountability sort of built in to hopefully prevent some of this stuff and sound an alarm bell before it gets too bad. Yes. So, and also on the positive side to be an encourager and a prayer warrior for that pastor too. So anyhow, yes, you sound like these are all bad. It's not. So, All right. Well, we've gone about 25, so we're going to try to land the plane. That's where we try to usually cut it off. Any closing thoughts here on self-sabotage, Neil, before we shut this episode down? You know, I, I, to, to branch off of what I've already said and, and, and just keep repeating the, the name Paul David Tripp, Dangerous Calling, the, the last thing I would say is, is I have found personally in my life to, in, in terms of avoiding the kind of frustration or discouragement that that may lead to self-sabotage is you, you've got to worship and savor Jesus. I, I think for me during this past season of Corona, um, there was, there was a particular season where, where my entry into worship each Sunday uh, was an intentional effort to stop worrying about my own problems, my own um, sort of career path, and to take that time to focus on and savor Christ. And if, if I had not done that, if I continued to sit in church and worry about where I was at, and what was going on in my own life, then I would have been an idolater sitting in church on a Sunday morning, but I would have been robbed of the joy that I have found in my Savior. So worship to me is always a good medicine to speak to a wounded and broken heart. And, and to reflect on the goodness of God is is both a, a active and passive um, recognition of our own not greatness. 
Um, so so it, worship is, I think, another great thing for pastors to not just attend as a person on staff at a church, but to participate in as a member of the local body. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. And, um, you know, I think that um, I would really just encourage you, Pastor, to be careful, look for signs of burnout and surround yourself with other brothers that love you enough and that you trust uh, to be a help to you. Be, be sure you got some hobbies and some things outside the local church because the, sometimes the old wolves want it to be only that and, and they want you to be kind of sucked in by that. So I'd say hang in there. Anything in this life that is of great reward does require a degree of long suffering and endurance, right? So, yes. uh, you know, if you have to yeah. go ahead. Well, I was just going to say this, this has taken a pretty serious turn in terms of our conversation. I, I think we need to do a, a unintentional self-sabotage with some of our, our funniest moments, looking back and saying, man, I wish I hadn't done that, that, that <laughs> may prove equally instructive to other pastors out there. Okay, well, you can go first, because it sounds like you might have one that you're willing to tell. I'll have to think for yeah. just a minute here. Yeah. You got well, I, I, I think I could, I could have an entire book, but, but I, I, I want, let, let's give it another episode where maybe we can come back on a, a lighter note and talk I about gonna, I thought you were going to talk about the funeral with the pants and all that. Oh. <laughs> like, that I thought that that's was the a, one. That's a great so go just go ahead and give it to us. Let's let's have it. Oh man. Well well the lesson learned from this one is definitely, you know, don't be afraid to ask help. Don't try and take it all on your shoulders. We uh you know, I, there was a, a family that was loosely connected with our church. They were not regular attenders, had a, a funeral in the family, and I was asked to officiate along with um some other uh part of our church team in, in terms of a worship leader. And you know, we, we spoke the morning of the service and there was some sickness in their home and this is pre-corona. So we weren't worried about in that way, but, um, but they, you know, we felt, Hey, it's best for you to stay home, care for your family. I can get things to go. Well, that, that left me very short on time. I ended up arriving about 15 minutes before the service. I had to bring in a sound system. Um, and I had recorded a number of songs to sing along with as a part of the you service. You recorded them like you were singing them? No, I did not record them singing them. I, I found them on YouTube. Guys, look for Neil's new album out this fall. Yes, yes. Oh, man, it would be the sunny side of Wisconsin. By train wreck. But, uh, but yeah, so I showed up with these, these, this YouTube playlist. And, uh, and while I was moving the uh, sound equipment, I initially set it up a little far away from the, uh, the outlet to plug it in. And, and I was down on the ground, kind of in a crouched position, trying to drag it across the floor. And I heard a very loud and distinct rip um, coming from the uh, mid region of my <laughs> pants, I looked. I looked down, and, and I, I I had ripped them from one end to the other. And unfortunately, the lining behind them was was a stark and nice clean white. Nice. So there was there was a clear contrast between my black suit pants and the white lining beneath. So and there's no time. There's no time to go change. I mean, no time. Even if you change. had a pair of pants, which you didn't. I mean, how far were you no. from the house? I mean, you were. No, I was. I was ten minutes from home. I was. I was six, seven, eight minutes away from church. I guess at this particular hotel where where we were had the reception at. So th there was there was no time for anything other than to try and stand behind the pulpit, not not spread my legs too widely, and uh, and and make it through. That's that's all we had left. Oh, dude. 
So, but, but that's not the only funny thing that came out of that service because I, I you know, in, in the rush to pull together some songs to have to sing the version of Amazing Grace that I, 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 I grabbed off of YouTube began with about a minute and a half of, of quiet rain, including some distinct, distinct yeah. thunder noises. And so, so I just, everybody's I just, just sitting in there awkwardly waiting yes. for the, waiting for the lyrics to come up. <laughs> song to sing as as the rain and thunder pours so so just a number of poor mistakes that 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 at the end of the day come down to it being okay to say no i i think i need help on this one so 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 i i've got to say i shot myself in the foot that that saturday morning let let me ask you something now that you do funerals do you take an extra pair of pants just in case (laughs) just a stapler just a stapler (laughs) nowhere to go there man you know what you And I, uh, I had a Sunday morning where I was teaching Sunday school and, uh, had a, uh, my wife was in the back and she went, she motioned for me like to come out. And I was kind of like, what in the world? So, you know, I sit on a stool when I teach because one of the first Bible teachers I ever saw in my life was sitting on a bar stool teaching. So for me, you know, that's how you really teach the Bible. You got to have like a bar stool or something that height to sit on to really get that job done. And, uh, at some point when I was preaching that morning, same thing happened to me, but I was unaware there was no rip sound. So I was up there teaching the Sunday school class and, you know, just completely ripped from the, you know, the, the seam in the middle of the, of the buttocks area, all the way down to the, the right leg in the back. And like, I had, I had turned around a couple times to write stuff on the board, you know, and, and nobody said anything, you know what I mean? And it was just, so she's like, here's you some pants. Your pants are ripped down in the back. It's like a two foot rip. You gotta, you gotta just throw them away, you know? And uh, so anyway, which I, I maybe we're really not shooting ourselves in the foot, quite honestly, when we're telling these stories. I know, right? So, maybe the shots are landing elsewhere. That's right. That's so true. So I guess the moral of that story is maybe, you know, maybe always have a clean pair of underwear and a clean pair of pants in, <laughs> in your, uh, in your truck, ready to go just in case, or your Corolla in your case. There you go. Know, know the limits of your wardrobe. So, <laughs> all right, bro. Well, thank you for your time today. And uh, we look forward to catching you next time. So. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.